You won't forget about me, Danny Minogue. It's 12.18. Tuesday the 10th of April. I'm Rhys Gunter. And I'm Scott Williams. Yes, so... The big moment. It's the big moment. We've been waiting all day. So, live on the phone right now from BBC Radio One, had awards. He's had everything. This is Scott Mills live on air. Please welcome Scott Mills. Oh my God, that is an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, you're that famous. We've even had a jingle made. You're listening to Air Tunes with Reese Gunter and Scott Williams. Scott Mills. Scott Mills. On air. It can only be air. How good's that? Awesome. <laughs> what you like that. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's all right. How are you today, then, Scott? I'm very good, thanks. I'm a little bit tired, because I'm doing the Chris Moore show all week, and it's always on Tuesday when it hits you. Like, Monday's absolutely fine, and then, because I'm not used to getting up at half past four in the morning, <laughs> um, Tuesday's always the day where you wake up and think... Oh, I could just go back to sleep now, but I can't. How did your show go today, then? You know what? It was funny today. Um, we had lots of little bits of stuff going on. We had some innuendo bingo. We had some 24 years at the tap end. And, yeah, a few people calling up. Lots of things going on. So, yeah, it was quite a busy show. But you can't even um, forget... But now I've come back come back home. So you good. can't forget Becky's raps as well. Quite good today. Yes. Oh, California I did girls. forget that. I, thought, I felt that she... Um, after doing Informer by Snow, I felt that she needed a bit of a break today, so we just got her to do the um, Snoop Dogg bit in California Girls by <laughs> Katy Perry, which I think was, you know, just to ease her back in. Is it going to get harder throughout the week for her? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow's, I can't tell you what it is, but tomorrow's is particularly hard. Oh. Mm. We'll get everyone listening to that then. Yeah. So we're going to start the questions then, Scott. Okay. Here's the first one. Um, you started your radio career at 16, but what what got you into radio? Um, I just remember listening to the radio, like, forever. Um, I used to listen to Radio 1 a lot. I used to listen to my local stations a lot. And it wasn't like I wanted to be on Radio 1 at that age. I just wanted to be on radio somewhere. And this is literally from when I was probably seven, eight, nine years old. I was just obsessed by it, much more so than TV. Um, and then when I was 12, I started doing, like, hospital radio around Southampton, which is where I'm from. How did you get into that? And um, literally, I got my mum <laughs> to ring up one day <laughs> and uh, said, because I was too shy to ring myself, I just, she just said, uh, my son was, is really coming uh, interested in coming down and kind of, doing voluntary helping around for you and um so i started going and doing that and and just kind of i wasn't even on air but i was just helping around the radio station i was just excited to be there you know i used to go in every sunday and obviously i wasn't at at school during the week but i used to look forward to sundays all week and i'd be there all day and i'd just work as hard as i could and you know, make tea for people and get stuff for people, and I just loved it. I loved the atmosphere of the radio station, and I've never really lost it, to be honest. That me, that um, all those coffees that you made have got you into Radio One now. <laughs> I know, and I still make my own coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Was, but, there, a, um, was there a radio DJ you looked up to? Um, I think it was probably just everyone on Radio 1 at that time. And uh, and even the local DJs, though, on my local station, which was Power FM, which then turned into Galaxy and is now Capital South Coast. Um, all the people on there I used to listen to as a teenager and, and, and kind of... I wouldn't say I wanted to be them, but I definitely looked up to them because they were doing locally what I wanted to do. And obviously the people on Radio 1 were like gods to me. I never thought that I'd be able to get there. <laughs> um, we've seen you in Casualty, The Bill and Skins, but what But what was it like filming these? Mm, do you know what? Filming um, any kind of soap opera or any TV series... I know everyone always says it, but there is a lot of waiting around. So, um, for instance, with Skins, uh, we got there, I think, about 6am, and this is just to film my bits, and I was part of this talent show, this kind of made-up talent show called Search for a Sex Bomb, <laughs> and um, I was kind of the presenter of it. But we were filming pretty much 12 hours that day, and if you think about how much I was in it, it wasn't that much. Yeah. So it just gives you an idea. And it's worse for people who are just extras or, you know, just kind of in the background. I feel really, so really sorry for them because they'll just be sat on a bus reading a book for hours and hours. They'll have a <laughs> sleep. Um, you know, it's not, not much fun. And then they get called in and they have to walk around for about two hours in the freezing cold <laughs> and then go back to the bus again. So, I mean... I know they get paid, but I felt really sorry for the extras, you know. Is TV something that you want to go into? I like TV, and I've done quite a bit of it. Um, but radio will always be my first thing. Yeah. Um, I've done... I did a documentary uh, in Uganda about a year ago now, which is the thing that people talk to me most about, to be honest. Um, it was quite a hard-hitting documentary. I'm, I'm quite interested in doing more of those. Yeah. Um, and I do like doing television, but radio will always be my kind of spiritual home. It's something that I've always wanted to do since, like I said, since I was seven or eight. TV, not so much. But I've done loads of TV that you would have never seen, thank God. <laughs> so you've interviewed... You know, it's tucked, interview away on, tucked away on digital channels. So you've interviewed some pretty famous people, for example, Rihanna, Flo Rida, Lady Gaga and many more. Which celebrity was your favourite to interview and why? I think it's impossible to say a favourite one because they're all kind of good in their own way. Um, I think a recent favourite one, by far, would have to be Rihanna. Just yeah. because she is arguably the biggest pop star in the world right now, uh, but doesn't act like it. And she's always extremely pleasant. She always make time for everybody in the studio, not just me. Um, and she has a ridiculous schedule, you know, like, I saw a picture of her yesterday and she's in Australia. And yeah. I thought to myself, hang on a second, she was with me two days ago. <laughs> you know, like, they have punishing schedules, these international megastars. Yeah. They get photographed everywhere they go. They can't, there's, there's no moment of privacy, really, that they have to themselves. So, to still be a nice person at the end of all that, I think is, is a good thing. Um, and she always, with me in an interview, relaxes and, and generally, says that she has a good time, so I think she's my favourite at the moment. We've had an email through from Sean Edwards. She said, what was it like interviewing Cher Lloyd and Professor Green? Um, 
both lovely people again you see uh, there aren't there aren't many nasty pop stars at the moment if there was i'd tell you about them <laughs> Cher was quite nervous because i think when we had her in it was the first play of her first single so she was nervous but she was lovely and i think you know she had a bit of bad press at the time um so she was quite nervous but the interview did her a lot of favors because she did relax in the end and she just came across as the nice person that she actually really is um as for professor green i've known him for quite a few years now he's always been kind of hanging around he used to have a show on one extra which is kind of next door to us um and that was before he started releasing the songs that he has so yeah i know him quite well and he's always a top bloke he's actually coming on my show again next week good mm. Um, we know that you like to get people to introduce your shows. So we're running, could you introduce ours? Yeah. By saying, um, you're listening to Air Tunes with Reese Gunter and Scott Williams, and I'm Scott Mills. Oh, tell me again, I didn't hear that bit. <laughs> Say, uh, I'm Scott Mills, and you're listening to Air Tunes with Reese Gunter and Scott Mills. Okay. Go. Scott, Scott Mills, or Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> okay, right. hang on. You're listening to Air Tunes with Reese Gunter well. and Scott Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Scott Mills, and you're. Li- hang on. Hello, I'm Scott Mills, and you're listening to Air Tunes with Reese Gunter and Scott Williams. Thank. And could you do one for Air? Got there on the end. You see, it's difficult to introduce a show. <laughs> <laughs> could you do one for Air? Yes. What should I say? Um, say, um, hi, I'm Scott Mills, and you're listening to Air. Yes, that's, that's easy. I think I could do that one. Okay, cool. Hello, I'm Scott Mills from Radio 1, and you're listening to Air. Thanks for that, Scott. Um, so Sorry, it took me a while. I was like, <laughs> what, what, what? So, what is it like knowing the Hoff? Because we've seen you in a <laughs> number of documentaries with him, and we know you're not a big fan of him putting Hoff in a load of words. So, is it Hoff-tastic? Well, it's something that he's been doing a lot recently and I think he's gone slightly off the rails um, <laughs> because he is saying it now every other sentence which he doesn't used to do um, yeah but I've done loads of stuff with Arf he, he, you know, he's like my older brother slash dad character in my life so um, we did the show when I went to live with him in LA obviously on TV and then we did another show which not that many people saw which was a six-part series where he came over here to the UK and we went round and did various British things like playing polo and cricket and having afternoon tea etc <laughs> um, and since then we've done loads of stuff together he he danced kind of for me recently on TV when I was doing the Let's Dance for Sport Relief with Ollie Merz yeah. um, he did a song with me at the Edinburgh Festival last year so we oh, do yeah. a lot of stuff together and he is you know, we have a very unlikely friendship. I don't think that you would expect me and him to be friends, but we kind of are. And wherever he is in the world or wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, you know, we'll always take a few minutes to say hi and he'll text me or whatever. Uh, it is quite odd, but it's kind of become the norm now, really. It's, it's not weird to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the first album that you bought, Scott? Oh, God. I think... It was a, I can't even remember which one, but it was a Madonna album. I definitely know that. Because I think, like, she, as an artist, as someone like me growing up, was incredible. And still now, if you think about it, she's 53, 
and she's still having top ten albums. I think she looks great. Her music is still cutting edge. So it was one of the Madonna albums. Uh, I can't remember which one, but I, I'll be able to tell you at a later date. But it was Madonna. <laughs> well, we got that one wrong then. We found out that it was Thriller off Wikipedia. So no, that's <laughs> you don't always believe everything you read. <laughs> I did have Thriller, but that was way after it was released. So you went the extra mile this year. You took part in the BBC's Less Dance for Sport Relief. You danced with Ollie Mers uh, and special guest David Hasselhoff. How was that I experience know. for you? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> um, as you may have seen, I can't dance. I um, I did three weeks of training for that every single day. Ollie turned up and did one day of training and nailed it. And <laughs> I still wasn't very good. But then I guess that's what he does, you know. We thought um, we good. I was completely, I was completely out of my comfort zone. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I thought it would raise money for sport relief, which it did. And I asked the Hoff to get involved because I thought it'd be funny. Good. Um, if Becky and Chris were not part of your show, what do you think the show would be like? Um, I just think it would have a different kind of dynamic to it. I, I have done a few, a fair few shows recently where I have, where I have been on my own, and. I used to do a lot of radio shows before Radio 1 without a team. It just used to be me. Um, it's kind of still me, but obviously I don't have anyone to talk to, so I, I just probably talk to the listeners a bit more and, you know, kind of keep it self-contained and, 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 and don't have other people to talk to. But actually, because I did that for so many years before my team, sometimes it's quite nice to just do it now and again. Not that I don't want them there. <laughs> Yeah, because if it was me, I wouldn't want to miss Becky Raps. Well, no, who wants to miss that? I mean, <laughs> luckily we've, we've brought this into people's lives quite recently, and now it's in their lives, they don't ever want it no. to be without it, you know? Is it harder doing the show on your own? Um, it's just different. I don't find it hard because, like I said, I used to do it for years before. you just got to think about it in a slightly different way. So, um, sometimes... I think it's easier if you do have people to talk to, yeah. but also at the same time, you can become less focused um, on what you're saying if you're just generally having a chat with other people. So you have to, you have to kind of make sure that what you're saying is good and that you're not just, you know, saying stuff that people don't really want to hear or don't care about. It's much, it's much easier to be focused during a show on your own, I think. How much preparation do you put into planning the show? There's quite a lot. Um, I know it doesn't sound like it, but there is. Um, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we talk about, we plan before. Obviously, the Becky Rapp stuff, we have to, even that has to be planned. Um, all the innuendo bingo stuff we have to find, which can take hours and hours to go through programs to find the stuff that people are talking about. <laughs> so I think when people come into Radio 1, they're quite surprised by how much is planned. And the producer will send a big kind of email once a week with a lot of plans for the rest of the week um, in a big kind of clock so you can see where it all fits. Um, obviously, things happen where some of those items that you see in the clock don't appear on air, either because they're not ready or they weren't funny enough. And obviously, I can come up with ideas on the day that are spontaneous. So it's not set completely but you know ideas come and go but there is a plan yes can you talk us for a day living with scott mills living with me oh god <laughs> um 
But at the moment, it's <laughs> get up at half past four, wish the alarm hadn't gone off, get a shower, get in a car, go to Radio 1, then I'll be there for about half past five in the morning, um, then I'll go through the papers and I'll go through what's happening generally in the world, online. <laughs> then we will um, go into the studio at six, so we're in there by 6am. We'll record any little bits that we need to record. Uh, we will go through the text, sometimes from the day before, just to see what people were saying and what their reaction was. We'll have a look on Twitter, and we'll just generally get ourselves ready to sound like we're awake by the time we get on air at 6.30. <laughs> Hard work, then. Uh, it is a bit. I, I always find that first half hour difficult. I know that Chris Moyles, when he does it, he's been doing it for years. But sometimes it does sound like he's half asleep on air, and I try to avoid that if I can. What did it you do after the yet. show? After the show, we will once again prep stuff that we can't really do at six o'clock in the morning. Like maybe we'll speak to some people on the phones and record them and what they're saying. Um, just general prep to be ready for the next day, so you're not massively rushing by the time it gets to six a.m. in the morning because. If we go to the studio at 6, that only really gives us half an hour. You can't do anything major in that time. And you have to remember that most people aren't up by that time. So you have to do it the day before the show. Yeah. Um, we've had an email through from Daniel Harrington. He said, is it difficult to please everyone with the music you play? Um, of course, yes. I think, that's the, I think that's the problem with any radio station where you're not going to like all the songs. Um, I don't, apart from the record of the week, which is now called Big Thing, I don't... I didn't really get a say in what music I play, you see. Um, it's all done by a playlist team, um, which is the case with every radio station now. Um, every kind of mainstream, mass-market radio station has an A-list, a B-list, and a C-list. The difference is Radio 1, we do play slightly edgier stuff, we do play slightly newer stuff. It's not just Rihanna all day. Um, uh, but then sometimes people don't want, you know, they don't want to hear newer music um, they, you know they do want to just hear Rihanna all day and that's absolutely fine um, so yes it is very difficult to please everyone all the time but I do think that if you're a young person Radio 1 has a really good mix of music if you like discovering about new music as well now we understand you've taken to a new time slot on Radio 1 but why is that? Um, because I've done the last one for 8 years and I think everyone fancies a bit of a change really um <laughs> If you think about it, I've been doing 4 till 7 for a very long time. So it's a good chance for Radio 1 to bring through somebody newer, which is Greg. He's sounding good on that slot, I think. And I can do all my other stuff, which I've been doing for years, at uh, uh, lunchtime and, and, and trying to try and grow the audience there between 1 and 4. So I'm actually really enjoying it, even though I've only done it for a week and now I'm on this. So I, I'm all over the place at the moment. I don't know what show I'm doing. You went to Uganda back in 2011 to film BBC Freeze, The World's Worst Place to Be Gay. But what were your thoughts before going out? Um, really nervous, really scared, didn't know what to expect, had never been to Africa before. Um, and also I'd seen some quite horrific videos and comments on YouTube about things that were happening to gay people out in Uganda. And I, it made me, as terrified as I was, it did make me want to go there and find out more. So it was slight nerves, and it was slight kind of really the unknown. I did not know what was going to face me or what it would be like when I got there. Um, but yeah, I mean, stepping on that plane, 
and then stepping off the plane, uh, I was terrified, yeah. And, I mean, the documentary worked out very well, I think, but, um, yeah, there were times during it as well when I was completely out of my comfort zone, and, you know, the thing is with documentaries, you just kind of got to report it as it's happening. I think we did that quite well. Um, but yeah, there were times when I just thought, I'm not a journalist, I don't really know what I'm doing. What were your thoughts after the experience and who was the most hardest person to speak to? Uh, in Uganda, it was definitely the guy that you saw at the end of the documentary, who is the guy that basically thinks, uh, he, he's an MP in the Ugandan parliament, and thinks that gay people aren't normal and that they should probably be killed or at least be put in prison. And his views are so ridiculous in this day and age that um, he was a very difficult person to interview. Also, a bit scary because um, I obviously revealed the truth to him and he did not like that at all <laughs> and said that, you know, the BBC was trying to trick him. So that was a particularly bad uh, and scary moment and we just had to get out of there as quickly as we could. What have you got coming up for this year then? Well, this year, obviously the new show, One to Four on Radio One, I have lots of, if people are going out to the resorts of Greece this summer, then I will be there a lot. I'm playing a load of um, gigs in Zanti and a couple in Kavos and some in Koz as well. So if you're going on your holidays to Greece this year, I will definitely be there. Um, and the next TV thing I have coming up is next month, which is Eurovision, where I'll be going to Azerbaijan for a week to cover the semi-finals of BBC Three. So, have you got any words for aspiring radio DJs? Um, only that if you think it's not going to be hard work, then it is. You'll have to work probably quite bad hours and probably for not very much money for quite a bit. But if you are determined enough and if you have the talent and if you have the ability, you know, to, to learn quickly and be enthusiastic and not be negative and, and be good in the office as well, then I think that you, you know, you can get on. I think there are, you know, there are still opportunities. Obviously, there are less opportunities in local or regional radio now because of a lot of networking of stations. But... I think it's still possible to have a radio career in radio, but you've just got to keep at it. Okay. So, is there any chance of you coming down to Weymouth? Well, yes. Um, I was just asked about this, because I know congratulations are in order, because you've just been awarded your FM licence, which is fantastic. <laughs> you must be so pleased with that. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but um, I know you've also got two years to get the station up and running on FM, so... Yeah. I'm not going to clear my diary for two years. The best thing you need to do is tell me when it's going to be and I'll see if I can be there. Yes. Thank you, Scott. Um, thanks for joining us today on Air, Scott. Big round of applause for Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, Scott, do we believe you've requested a song to end with. I would like to hear the UK's official number one because I've been playing it a lot on my show <laughs> and I'm obsessed with it. Uh, it's Carly Rae Jepsen, please. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today on Air, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.